Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Literary Latte Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And I'm Katie. And we are here with the final episode of Rock, Paper, Scissors. And truly the ending, wild. Indeed. Indeed. So much. So much is revealed in these last couple of pages. A true roller coaster, and I will say... When you thought the reveals would stop, they would randomly kind of throw in another, kept, casually throw in another one. Kept coming. I, uh, yeah, trying to summarize this was a bear because I was like, okay, there's so much detail and it's like, what do you include and what do you not? And like, what is a real detail and what is just like fluff? Um, Because you'd think something was fluff and then you'd get to the next chapter and something else would be revealed about that thing you thought was fluff. So. Yes. It was truly no breaks. It was like, it was crazy. Um, I think we both read it after we recorded the pod last time. We did. We were like, <laughs> we need to know the ending. Because where we know. left off. Well, before we jump in, let, let's do some slight pleasantries. Katie, how are you? You good? I'm, I'm good. Today's been wild. I was went to lunch with some friends and I thought it was going to be like two hours and one location and turn into eight hours and multiple locations. <laughs> so you know, we love that. An extended it was fun. plan. Yeah. I let fun. I let my my friends um play on my I play on. It sounds really bad to say it that way, but I let them look through my hinge profile and they just off the wall. Oh they were like, God. this is the best game ever. And I was like, all right, guys. They had too much fun. They had too much fun. Um, Katie's <laughs> had a lot of um, interesting dating app stories. Um, yeah. that, that can be for another pod. Yeah, but we don't need to talk about that tonight. That would last like a full hour probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do like a, we'll do a, a special. Yeah, a like, little bonus episode. little bonus episode of like all of the things that I've seen on Hinge in, you know, however long. It's, uh, yeah, it's wild. Men are... Ooh, man, their profiles, they're rough. But anyways, enough about my sad singleness. Uh, Brandon. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not sad. I'm good. Um, Brandon, how are you? How was your week? I saw you spent a lot of time by the pool this weekend. Yes, I went to the pool yesterday with some good friends. Katie knows them. Astra and Maggie. Shout out to hey. them. Love them. We got to have our hangout, and um, Maggie's apartment has a pool, so we got pizza. We hung by the pool. It was nice. Um, let's jump into this book. Okay, so this is the final part: rock, paper, scissors. Alice Feeney. Where we left off last week, we had an insane theory that we were building on, where I was like, "Oh my god, Amelia and Robin are the same person," and then you were like, "I think." like Robin may be the wife, but Amelia is the coworker and they know about it and they're planning something. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're so right now. I'm not going to say whether we were right or if we were onto something, because you have to listen to the episode to figure that part out. But that's where our heads were out. We're at last time we were recording. So Let's jump back in. I think what actually happened, it was like one of the letters, and it was like the coworker came mm-hmm. to Amelia and Adam's house and was like, I had a horrible yeah. situation with a guy, and they like yeah. let her stay. 
So yeah, the coworker had come over after a date and she had completely changed her appearance to look like the wife. Mm-hmm. And we it was a little interesting. And that's where you were like, ooh, maybe Amelia is the coworker and Adam doesn't know. Um, because mm-hmm. he has the face blindness. So yeah. with that being said, we start the final part with Adam's perspective. Adam is sitting at Henry's desk and finds a tiny drawer full of pennies and a broken go away I'm writing mug. He comments that his neurological glitch doesn't impact his memory. These are the anniversary gifts his wife gave him over the years. And this causes him to be skeptical when he's accusing Amelia of being in on this because she was the one who brought them here. And she says she doesn't know anything and that Adam needs needs to calm down. Um, Amelia asks how Henry could have delivered a new book back in September when he's been dead for two years. Unless someone else wrote it. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Adam dismisses this and says there's no way that his agent, his publisher, and his fan w- fans wouldn't have noticed if someone else was writing under his name. But then he does the math and realizes that Amelia is right. Yeah, dude, it's not that hard. Like, literally, there's a tombstone. That's true. But, you know, maybe he could be under the impression that possibly Henry isn't actually dead. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Which I could get. But Amelia reminds him that they saw someone who we know is Robin go into the chapel and that they should be blaming her for all of this instead of each other. Amelia says they should go back and go to the cottage and knock on the door, sounding calmer than she should. Adam says that he'll always feel guilty about cheating on his wife. But St. Amelia slept with someone she shouldn't have. He wishes that he could see her face and know if she's as composed as she sounds, given that they are trapped and quite possibly in danger. So I guess he's implying that Amelia also cheated on him. But given Adam, I'm sure he cheated first. (laughs) 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 That was a weird laugh. I don't know why I laughed like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Adam Adam is Adam is not a good dude. He's just very like much the like person who he'll do something wrong and he'll be like, but you're not a saint either. Right. Yeah. He you're like, not seems perfect. Like he, exactly. He seems like he likes to play the victim. Oh yeah. Which um he, he takes her hand and heads to the staircase. Adam asks if she recognizes any of the faces in the pictures on the wall. He can tell the ones at the bottom are of people in Victorian clothing, but the ones at the top look more recent. At first, Amelia isn't able to recognize anyone, but then she realizes that they are pictures of Henry Winters at varying ages. They deduce that it's some kind of family tree, and Adam asks if anyone else looks familiar, and Amelia says, there are pictures of a little girl. Which makes sense, considering because... the, tomb- the tombstone. Well, the hit- tombstone, but also is weird because Henry never said, never told Adam that he had children. So Adam is still like, no, this dude doesn't have children. So why are there pictures of this little girl? Yeah. As they get to the top of the stairs, they see the three missing frames have been put back. Amelia is about to say something about the pictures when Adam looks over her shoulder and sees that one of the previously locked doors is now opened. They go in and see that everything is covered in dust and cobwebs. It smells musty like it hasn't been aired out for months. A large antique dollhouse is sitting in the middle of the room. Adam notices that it looks remarkably like their house in London, 
When he opens the dusty doors and sees that the rooms inside have been decorated the same as their London house, he feels sick. It's so creepy. Like, first the bedroom mm-hmm. looks exactly like their house. And now there's this, like, miniature version of it in this, like, super dusty room. And the house itself is dusty. Like, it's not like it was just put in there. Yeah. Could you imagine, like, being in a creepy chapel? Oh, and then no. you go to a once locked room and see a dollhouse of your home just there. I I I I would have just left. Like I would rather face the elements than face whatever is happening in this house. I'm running. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Amelia calls out to Adam and when he turns around he sees that she's holding an old jack in the box. Adam had one just like it as a kid and it terrified him. He notices that the name Jack has been crossed out so that it now says Adam in the box. <laughs> this this part actually did make me laugh a little bit because I was like, this is so creepy and so, again, like petty. I don't like whoever thought of this. It's, it's funny. Petty level, like unmatched. Yes. Adam is reminded of his mother teaching him the French name for the toy when he was a child. The translation is literally box devil. Yeah, so. those things are creepy. Is anyone who has played with a jack in a box knows those things are very creepy. Is that what it plays? Yeah, I don't know what the first line of it is. Well, at least the ones here do. The last line is "Pop goes the weasel." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is when it like pops open. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, but again, like in a in a dusty children's bedroom. Yeah, it's creepy. Whenever Adam is reminded of his mom, he relives the night she died, the rain, the terrible sound of screeching, the car brakes and her red kimono. Adam had begged his mother for the dog, but then didn't look after it. If he had walked the dog like he promised to, she wouldn't have died. Adam's fingers find the crank, and as he closely turns it and the nostalgic tune plays, he hears his mother's voice singing along. When Jack bursts out of the box, he jumps. It's terrifying with its wild hair and painted face, made even more so because the eyes are missing. Oof. Mm. As he he turns to take in the rest of the room, he sees that the wallpaper, the duvet, and the pillows are all covered in faded images of Robins. Interesting. Then he sees... Interesting. And then he sees a blackboard in the corner. The words are faded, but he can still make them out. I must not tell tales has been written all over the board. So we come to another anniversary, and this is 10. This is in February of 2018. Dear Adam, it starts. It's not really our 10th anniversary. Things seem pretty good this year. They thought they were happy. From the outside, their marriage was solid. But she was wrong. Nothing seems real now that she knows the truth. She felt as though someone had been watching them. She can't explain the feeling or put it into words, but she says that people can feel when someone's eyes are staring in their direction for too long. It's an instinct. She goes on in the letter to write about coming home from work to find Adam in the lounge in the dark watching an old episode of the Graham Norton show. Henry Winters is the guest and reveals to the world that he doesn't like the TV and film adaptions of his books. 
Adam is crushed and blames his agent for what Henry said. But she can't tell him the truth. She is the reason that Henry let Adam adapt his books. She's not sure what made Adam sit in the dark watching an old clip of Henry putting him down or why he still cares what Henry thinks. But then she notices an, a half-empty bottle of whiskey, Henry's favorite brand, sitting next to his BAFTA award. She decides to creep back to the front door and slam it before running up the stairs, calling out that she's going to grab a quick shower. When she comes back, the TV is off, the whiskey is gone, and the award is back on the shelf. She wonders how long Adam will pretend to be okay when he's really feeling broken. The next day is their anniversary. She writes about leaving work early to surprise Adam and to try and cheer him up. However, something felt wrong when she walked up the garden path. The magnolia tree from their fifth anniversary looks like it might be dying. A little bit of foreshadowing there. little symbolism. Mm-hmm. She lets herself and Bob into the house and notes that everything is still and silent, like it normally is when Adam is in his writing shed. She sees a tin of baked beans on the table and thinks it must be some kind of joke, knowing that tin is a traditional gift for 10 years of marriage. She heads up the stairs to find Adam still in bed with her friend from work. (laughs) The friend had called in sick that morning. Everything stopped when she walked into the room, as though time itself stood perfectly still, waiting for the pieces of her life to fall and see where they would land. She just stood there staring, and then the friend from work smiled. That's so So sinister. Right. Oh my gosh. Adam looked between the two of them, his wife in the doorway and his whore in their bed, (laughs) which like strong language there. But I don't, I think in that moment, I don't think I disagree. You know, she's angry as she should be. Uh huh. Adam tries to cover his ass and say that he thought the friend was his wife, you know, the, the neurological issue. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. When she, which like that, I did have that thought at one point of like, oh, what if you like legitimately did think that it was his wife? But then I was like, I feel like you'd be able to figure it out pretty quick. Like there's other cues. Yeah, you would know. There's ways because, like, yeah. you, you can see, like, I don't know, her body. Like, you'd be able to tell. Yeah, and like her voice is gonna be different. Like, her smell there... is gonna be different. Her taste is gonna like if you're gonna kiss that person. Like, people yeah. taste different. So oh, they're not Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Yeah, exactly. When uh, when she doesn't respond, he says it again as if the words would sound less like lies if he said them a second time. This I love. I love this part. This uh, this made me. I don't say laugh because it sounds bad, but I was like, well, it's kind of it's a good way to do it. Uh, she walks down to the garden shed, grabs a shovel, and digs up that magnolia tree from her perfect <laughs> lawn. The tree is bigger than her by now, but she drags it through the house, up the stairs, and into their bedroom. She throws it on the bed and tucks it beneath the sheets like a baby. (laughs) (laughs) This was like, the visual here is just phenomenal. Very much. I enjoyed that part as well. 
very petty, very rageful, very, mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as she packs a bag, Adam says he'll do anything to fix this, counseling, a holiday, anything. But she doesn't think anything can fix them now. That's insane. Adam is really oh. trash. Like, his wife had really, like, supported him through so much and loved him so much. And for I him know. to cheat with her friend, but this is very, mm. not to bring it back, but very scandal. But um, with that, and it's also, I will say, 2018, it seems like Amelia's leaving him, which harkens back to my theory last week about something's up because it's 2020 but it mentioned 10 year anniversary but we go to Amelia's um, perspective Adam still hasn't put the pieces together he stares at the little girl's bedroom where everything is covered in robins looking like a lost child she takes him by the hand back to the stairs and points at the final frame pictures on the wall he asks who it is the grandfather clock in the bedroom starts chiming and they both jump having thought it had stopped It's you, Amelia says. They study the image, the expensive-looking suit he wore for the wedding, the confetti on his shoulder, the wedding dress, the rings, the happy smiles. Henry's in the background. They both know he was invited, but the fact that he was there staying on the street outside the registry's office, along with having this picture on his wall of family portraits, suggests that he thought of Adam as more than just a screenwriter who adapted his books. Adam still doesn't understand... Amelia says it's time for him to know the truth. The woman in the wedding photo isn't her. Uh, Adam married a ghost. Adam married a ghost. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> this is, hmm, why is it not you, Amelia? What do you mean? Well, that's a good question. Uh, we switch to Adam's perspective. Adam still doesn't understand. Amelia explains that it's a photo of his first wedding when he married Robin. I was right. Kind of. <laughs> we were right. Well, it depends if Amelia is the coworker, but yeah. it's just Robin. I knew she was the wife or at least the one writing the letters. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was yeah just... We thought it was Amelia the whole time and it wasn't. All those letters had been written by Robin. Which makes sense in hindsight, but you know. Yes. Yeah. Cause they, the they were about... all, they were all signed off as your wife. Not as like Amelia or Robin or like you know, mm-hmm. um, when Adam still doesn't get it, this guy is how does he land two two women like this man <laughs> so dumb? Um, Amelia pushes him and says that even though they were married for ten years, Robin never told him that she was Henry Winter's daughter, that she had grown up here, that the little girl's bedroom was hers. Which that's a that's a pretty big thing not to tell your spouse. <clears throat> yeah. Adam stares at his second wife, trying to see from her face if this is some kind of prank. But the Van Gogh swirls are back. Adam says that that's insane and can't be true. But Amelia shakes her head and says that the three missing the three photos that were missing yesterday are all of his ex wife. Adam says that this is impossible, that Henry did not have children, but Amelia reminds him that his headstone says otherwise. Adam says Robin never really talked about her family, especially her father, and had said that they were estranged. 
Amelia says that there must be a reason why his ex-wife never told him about her father and says that she'll that he will have to trust her about Robin being the little girl in the picture since he can't see the faces himself. Adam thinks to himself that after Amelia seduced him, her best friend's husband, trusting her is something he's never been good at. I roll. Sir. I sir. roll. I roll. Sir. Um, you were the one that was in the marriage. Right. Like, you we you know, Amelia, or I guess Robin, yeah, should be mad at Amelia because that's her friend. But at the end of the day, the one who really had the, like, commitment to Robin was you adam so if we're being real amelia shouldn't trust you right adam is tom sandoval he really is he really is i didn't know that in the month of scandoval we'd be reading a scandoval book (laughs) (laughs) this this foreshadow the the scandal right adam Adam just doesn't understand a lot of things. This is what I realized in this section. No, he's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, he he says he doesn't understand why neither uh, Robin or or Henry never told him about their relationship. Amelia asks how the idea of him adopting Henry's books came to be, and Adam recounts receiving a random phone call from his agent saying that Henry had invited him to meet at his London flat. Which, if you recall, I did say that was weird. Where I was like, why is there just, like, randomly he's reaching out to you? And then also Henry was, like, asking Adam about his wife. And I was like, why is he asking about his wife? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, Yeah, you did point that out that that was weird. Which it was. Which I think, I guess, in the beginning, it was just kind of like, oh, maybe they were just, like, talking about their lives. Like, trying to, like relate or like get to know each other but it was always weird how it was just random how the like henry wanted him to adapt his book yeah which we knew i guess because amelia right away was just like oh it's because of me but we didn't do that connection Robin or Robin. Oh my Robin God. Knew. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, 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 it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Cause we thought it was Amelia writing these letters for so long that now realizing that it's actually Robin. Well, cause in it's easy, it's kind of easy to do when you think about it, because it's just like, they had similar issues. Uh-huh. Robin yeah. with him as Amelia did with him. So it was kind yeah. of easy to kind of make that transition back and forth and think it's the same person. Adam has a type. The common denominator is Adam. It's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after Adam recounts the tale of his agent calling him and him going to Henry's flat, Amelia asks if that's normal. And although they both know it's not, Adam says that Henry's agent had just died. He doesn't remember what he died from, just that it was shocking because the agent was quite young. Amelia remarks that it's funny how people who come between him and Robin seem to disappear or die. This causes Adam to defend Robin, saying she never had a problem making friends. She just rarely liked them. She had become quite friendly with October O'Brien, but Amelia points out that October has died. 
and also reminds Adam that there's a drawer full of newspaper clippings about her in the kitchen. Which, yeah, that is still very strange to me. I don't know why. I I feel like I feel like Robin put them there just to mess with Adam. Yeah, not, it's not really explained that I remember. Yeah, because, um, I don't know. I feel like yeah, it's trying to be implied that maybe Robin killed October or something, but I don't think she did. I don't think she did either. I think Adam, it was just. At least we also don't really get clarity about that. Spoiler alert! But yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's okay. Adam says that there's no way that Robin killed October and points out that Robin had befriended Amelia when she was a volunteer at Battersea. Amelia quickly says, this isn't about her, and goes back to talking (laughs) about Adam's meeting with Henry and says that probably happened because he was living with Henry's daughter. Adam just didn't know it. Which, like, (laughs) I think it's funny that Adam is, like, immediately defending Robin. He is. He's very, like, protective of Robin, which is interesting. Yeah. I think he realizes that Robin really loved him, but, you know. Mess it up. Adam Mm -hmm. then mentions Bob, because, yes, as we remember, the dog is missing, and how he was Robin's dog. She had adopted him from Battersea, and if she has him, then they know he's safe, which is, I will say, that was kind of a relief to be like, okay, cool, nothing bad's going to happen to this dog. Right. Yeah. When Amelia asks if he really thinks that Robin is behind all of this, Adam says, who else could it be? Which is valid. As they continue to try and figure out why Robin brought them here and what she could want with them, and like why this weekend, they realize it's the 29th of February, the date that he married Robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. before it was like, how often is a leap year? Is it every seven years? Every four years. Every four years. Oh my god, I'm stupid. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know things. <laughs> You're okay. Yes, a leap year is every four years. That makes sense, actually, because there was this girl in elementary school who was born on a leap year, and she was like, "Technically, I'm two. And I'm like, "No, you're not." Yeah, but <laughs> people say that a lot, and I think it's it's stupid. I'm like, <sighs> um, we go back to Robin's perspective, and um. Robin remembers walking away from the house in London the day she found Adam and Amelia in bed together. She remembers the magnolia tree and taking off her sapphire engagement ring along with her wedding band and leaving them behind. She grabbed her bag, a few of her favorite things, got in the car, and drove away in the getaway car. Her biggest mistake was leaving Bob behind. Which I true, I get that. I yeah. If I had to leave suddenly, I'd take my dogs. That would I'm be a taking priority. the dog. I'm taking Dumbass. the dog. <laughs> she queen. should have done that, right? Oh my gosh, love her. That's when Henry called to her, called to tell her that he was dying and asked her to come home. They hadn't spoken in years, but a series of fallen stars seemed to align themselves that afternoon to guide her back to the home she had run away from. Robin recounts when Amelia started volunteering at Battersea. And now she had taken pity on the mousy, lonely creature in the same way she took pity on the abandoned animals that came through. Damn. That's so harsh. That fucking mouse. (laughs) That's like (laughs) when Ariana would call Raquel, you fucking rat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She helped Amelia get a job and a life, became her friend, and in return, the woman stole her husband. Now, she didn't steal him, but she did sleep with him. And she has a right to be mad, though. Um... 
At first, I feel like was... if your husband can be stolen, do you really want him? That part. Um, but hmm. stay tuned. At first, it was Adam that Robin blamed for everything, but not anymore. That's why she tricked them into coming here. And that is what the weekend is all about. Robin reveals the three times she felt grief in her grief in her life. The day she stopped trying to have a baby, the day her husband cheated on her, and the day her mother drowned in a clawfoot tub. Oh my god. Traumatic. Um, very. Everyone thought it was an accident, but Robin always believed that Henry was responsible for her mother's death. That was why he had sent her away to boarding school, why she ran away as soon as she was old enough. People who read and write crime novels and thrillers know there are infinite ways to get away with murder. Do you think Henry did it? I don't know. I I definitely thought he did. Um, But some more stuff is revealed at the end of the book where I'm like, mm, it may have just honestly been an accident. Yeah. Um, Robin recounts that her parents were always disinterested in her, and it got worse after her mom died. Her world became very small and very lonely very fast. Henry tried to throw money at the problem, which is why Robin wanted nothing from him as an adult. He had purchased the dollhouse after her mother died, a happy toy family to replace their broken one. No one ever suspected Henry of killing his wife. He even wrote a book about a man who kills his wife in a bathtub a few years later, which that's pretty weird that he yeah, did that. Yeah, that, that is very, that, that part made me think that maybe he did, because that's some really distra- like deranged thing to do. Yeah, it could have been that, or maybe he was, for lack of a better word, inspired by what happened and was you like, know. I'm going to create like a murder mystery. I don't know. I don't he does like seem, it. He seems odd, so... I don't know. I feel like we didn't get to know him enough, but yeah, we'll see. It inspired Robin to write a story of her own. It was about an author who kills people in real life and writes about it, always getting away with the murder. Her teacher sent it to Henry, and when she returned for Christmas, he barely spoke to her, staying locked in his study with his books. One afternoon, she found her dolls floating face down in her sink, looking like they were drowning. When she woke up on Christmas morning, there were no presents, and her hair had been cut off. Two blonde braids were laying by her pillow. Henry didn't just write about monsters. He was one. He made her write lines as punishment for writing that story at school. I must not tell tales. So Robin never wrote another word of fiction again until Henry died. After burying him in the graveyard behind the chapel, Robin went back into the study and took out his laptop and read through his unfinished draft. She decides to continue writing his book. She deletes most of what he's written and replaces it with her own words. She edits until she's sure it sounds like Henry wrote it and then types the final draft on the typewriter and sends it to Henry's agent. When she finally hears the agent says it's the best one yet, she goes through the drawers in Henry's desk and finds a copy of Adam's screenplay. It makes her sad that Adam trusted her father with his beloved work. She looks through the box of anniversary letters she took with her when she left the London house. She misses Adam and rereads the letters in his screenplay. She decides that she's going to rewrite her story and give herself a happier ending. Why do you want this man back? That, you know, that's a good question. Does she, you know, at this point, does she want him back? I mean, she's talking about how she misses him and, like, she sees that, 
like they they had their ups and downs, but like they they had really good times. And like she wants to rewrite things, which I feel like hints that she wants them to have a happy ending together. And so I'm just like, yeah. why do you want this man back? You know, she's probably just like in her, you know, she's in her feels. And I think, I don't know. She's just like, she wants back what she thought they had. No, and here, she, what do you, this is what happened. She got on hinge. Realized <laughs> the trash that was out there and was like, you know what? I prefer the trash I know. Honestly, there was no no one good near the abandoned Scottish chapel <laughs> on Hinge. It's really, uh, really slim pickings. Real slim pickings. And she's like, you know what? Adam wasn't that bad. He couldn't I'll see. I'll take him. But, you know. <laughs> he can't see my face, but never mind. I'm not. No. And he cheats on me with my best friend. But, you know, you it's know. all good. Yes. All right. We have another letter. This is titled Steel, and it is February of 2019, and this is what would have been their 11th anniversary. So Robin continues writing Adam letters on their anniversary, and she tells him all about how she's living in a cottage in Scotland. She reads through her letters and reflects that although they had their ups and downs, there was more good than bad. She then apologizes for all the lies that when they met, she wanted his dreams to come true quickly so they could focus on their dreams. She reveals that's why she called Henry after not speaking to him for years. It was only ever meant to be one adaptation. She thought it would lead to Adam succeeding with his own screenplay. But instead, Henry used him to get close to Robin so he could so he would have someone to care for his books after he died. Does this man really care about his books that much? Like that seems I mean, I like books, but like I don't care what happens to my books when I die. I think he did care about his books that much because remember before was it before he died did he say this to Robin that he wanted or was it his agent? Or something, just like anything book-shaped, like, have them look after it. And then, like, he had the study I, with all his books. Yeah, and, he like, did have a lot of, yeah, that is true. He he did surround himself with a lot of books. And she made the comment about how, like, he always cared about what the fans thought about his books. And he, he yeah. was very happy when he found out he was a bestseller. I think he cares about his books a lot. And, like, he made a sacrifice letting adam adapt them into films he didn't like just so yeah, to make so hard robin happy <laughs> yeah that's true uh she reveals that henry liked his privacy so much that he bought up all the land in the valley so he could close everything down and have peace and quiet henry was actually the one who made up the ghost stories to keep people away he wanted to live a lonely life amelia says that she finally understands him that being in the Highlands makes her feel free to be herself. She says that she was always afraid to step out of Henry's shadow, that his words seemed so much heavier and stronger than the thoughts inside her head. But she is free of his judgment now and realizes that she could have stepped out anytime she wanted if she hadn't been so afraid of being seen. She writes that it's hard to picture Amelia in their old house in London, 
She still can't believe that Adam gave her the sapphire engagement ring. She calls Amelia the kind of woman who expects something for nothing and thinks the world owes her a debt. Robin says that she's not the first ex-wife to want revenge and that her variety of fury has been surprisingly calm. She reveals that she has written a novel and is now writing another. She thinks that Adam will like it and that he's in it. The book is called Rock, Paper, Scissors, and it's all about choices. Robin has made hers, and the time has come for Adam to make his. Very ominous. Uh Also, like, you're writing a book, uh, assumingly based on your ex-husband's screenplay. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I don't know, the book's there. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's not but I guess it. she's making it more about them and putting that twist. Yeah. So essentially she's taking his work and making it better, seemingly. Which is what she did to Henry's. That's true. Typical. A woman making everything a man tries to do better. <laughs> anything you can do, I can do better. I can, oh, do, I can anything do anything better than, than you. you. That was amazing. Um we got shows every sunday y'all <laughs> yeah mc this is really what you guys listen to the podcast for oh uh, we jump back to amelia bedelia's um perspective and with this she says it's not true that the second wife is a bitch and the first wife is a victim you know amelia i'm not gonna say it's usually true but in this case it might yeah. be a little true. <laughs> Pretty comfortable saying it's true in this case. It might be. She knows how it looks, but Adam and Robin's marriage had run its course. Robin was the type of person who invited people to walk all over her. Oh my God. <laughs> Which does not give you right to do it. <laughs> this is literally scandal when they convince themselves, well, Ariana doesn't want to know that we're oh together. Oh my gosh. I this cannot. is hysterical. So we should send this book recommendation, you know, to your new BFF and be like, Ariana, hey, here you go. Like, hey, girl, like this may hit close to home, but just know you're a winner. Yeah. Um, don't do what she did, though. We don't yeah, want no. that. Don't be like Robin, but don't no. Don't be like Robin, but low key. Ugh. <laughs> if you want to mess with them a little bit and send them to a abandoned chapel in Scotland. In the middle of February. We support. Just a little prank, you know? Yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Amelia says that Robin thinks she was the one who took pity and befriended her. But really, Robin needed a friend more than Amelia did. She says their marriage was over before she came on the scene. But when she met Adam, he was an itch she couldn't resist. She stayed on the sidelines and waited for her opportunity. She changed everything about herself. Trying to be, trying to be who he needed her to be. I will say... And I think I forgot to mention this last time when it was revealed that he, she was like starting to kind of look like the wife, the mm-hmm. coworker. I did kind of think at first, is she like trying to like steal her life? Because like, yeah, yeah. She I mentioned too. too, like, I never gave her my address, like, right. da, 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 da. but then it was yeah. kind of like, I don't know. It just didn't seem like anything. It was kind of a throwaway. And then we had the theory that Amelia and Robin were in on it. But yeah, I also think that. Um, it's normal to want to emulate people that you admire. And so mm-hmm. there is like, I could see it have like, had it not ended in a fair, 
<laughs> I could see it just being something where like Amelia respected Robin or really liked things like about looks Robin. up to her. Yeah. And so like, you know, wanted to look like her. And also like it's really popular for people to dye the hair blonde. Like, yeah. I feel like I feel like I don't know if it's fair to say like most people go through like a phase where they think they want to be blonde. Um, but yeah, I mood. Robin changed everything, but not really to fix Adam, but because she knew she could make him happier than Robin could. Robin didn't know how lucky she was. Two happy endings were better than three. Robin didn't even put up a fight. They divorced, she moved out, and Amelia moved in. It was best for everyone, and she and Adam were happy together. Dealing with his crazy ex will only bring them closer. She notes that Robin and Adam must have been happy at the beginning, but turning love into hate is easier than turning water into wine. What a... Which is so interesting to me because she... She has said multiple times, like, oh, their marriage was over before I came on the scene. But then you make a comment that turning love into hate is easier than turning water into wine. And it seems like she's saying that she did that. So I'm like, right? was it it actually over? Or did you just manipulate Adam in seemingly a moment or a season of weakness? That's what I was thinking. Probably in that moment, she was like, before they slept together, probably pushing the fact like, oh, you and Robin aren't happy. And like, right. Or be like, oh, no, tell me all about the issues that you and Robin are having. I'm here to be a support. I understand how it is. It's okay. You're fantastic. Let me support you in your bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do this real quick. It didn't seem to matter that they had nothing in common when she first moved in. He didn't care that she wasn't into books and films the way he was. The sex was great for the first few months. She took better care of herself than Robin. They did it in every room of the house that his ex-wife renovated. An exorcism of the ghost of their marriage. Barf. Wild. Um, Makes me want to barf. Yeah. They got married as soon as the divorce was finalized it was a small ceremony just the two of them at the registry's office she didn't think they needed anyone they still don't amelia says they should just leave and adam reminds her that robin slashed her tires she said they could just walk until they find the next town adam agrees and he goes to grab their stuff but he goes into the wrong room by mistake they walk into the bedroom they slept in the night before and sees a red kimono laid out on the bed This is obviously to remind Adam of the night his mother died. They wonder why Robin would do that. And then they see the words rock, paper, scissors written on the dressing table mirror. The red kimono on the bed. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. I'm like, why is Robin trying to do this? Like, what? What what is her angle with this one? Where did the red kimono come from? Like, she talks about how it's hard to get things in, like, the Highlands of Scotland. So, like, where did you find this red kimono? I wonder if she gotten it before going to the Highlands or if they had it. Or maybe it's just like, I mean, she was planning this for like a year. So maybe that's enough time to get it. She had time to make her rounds and find one. Maybe she Amazon primed it. (laughs) <laughs> the sheep the sheep are the amazon deliverers yes oh my gosh 
All right, we're on to another letter, and this one is titled Silk. This is the first letter that Robin will let Adam read, and she highly suggests that he read it alone before sharing any of its contents. She says that she never stopped loving him, even when she didn't like him. Girl, come on. Robin reveals that her father didn't just write dark and disturbing books, but that he was a dark and dangerous man. Their relationship was complicated, especially after her mom died. She hid her dad from Adam because she didn't want him to be contaminated by Henry. She wanted Adam to love her for her, and she never wanted Henry to have any kind of control over them. She blames Henry's lack of belief in her as a child for her lack of belief in herself as an adult, and his lack of interest made her feel as though she was useless. Henry's books were her were his children. She was an unwanted distraction. Which, like, adds effed up. The fact that he would, like, call her that or call her, like, the unwanted accident and stuff like that, like, yeah, messed up. You don't say that to a kid. Yeah, like, I was an accident, but my parents don't remind me all the time. Oh, were you really? I didn't know that. I was. Yeah, I wasn't planned. It's okay. Happy accident. <laughs> you know, Happy it worked Happy accident. Out. It did, didn't go. it? She left home at 18 and took her mother's maiden name to hide who her father is. By this time, she's written two novels in Henry's name. No one knows that he's dead, and they don't need to. Robin reveals the pitch for her latest book, Rock, Paper, Scissors. It's a combination of his screenplay and the secret letters that she's been writing. She thinks Adam will like it. When she sends it to Henry's agent... She's going to include a note that says Henry wants Adam to start work on the screenplay straight away. Robin says that Adam will finally get his own story on screen, just like they always dreamed. Robin reveals that Henry had a private investigator following the two of them. He knew about their affair before Robin did. The investigator, Samuel Smith, followed anyone who was close to them including October O'Brien and Amelia. She says that she's debated sharing this information with him because she doesn't want to cause him pain, but decides he needs to know. Robin reveals that it's no coincidence that Amelia started working at Battersea. Amelia and Adam's paths had crossed nearly 30 years earlier. However, he couldn't recognize her face. Robin reveals that Amelia has a criminal record and that she was the one driving the car that killed his mother. Ooh. When the police when the police couldn't make the charge stick, she moved to another foster home and turned over a new leaf. What a reveal. That is wild. Uh-huh. Like not only that it's revealed that it's Amelia, but it's like why would you revisit 30 years later to like right like why would you come and find this fine like this is a a truly tragic thing that happened and you're gonna go like hunt down adam now for this like it's kind of like well it's like the silent patient what was his name like why come back 
Theo, was that the Theo, kind of scene? Yeah. He comes yeah. back to the scene of the crime like six years later to try and right. help Alicia. But then when she, Alicia remembers that he was a big part of it, it's just like, whoa. Well, I didn't actually want to help you. Yeah. I didn't yeah, really want to help weird. you. Yeah. These people. I know. Robin writes that she knows that this is hard for Adam to take in, but deep down, he knows that something was never quite right with Amelia. The first time they met, he described her as an actress. Turns out his first impression was correct. Mm-hmm. Robin writes that she found the notebook where Amelia writes down every detail of Adam's nightmare. She might say that it's to try and help Adam remember the face of who killed his mother. But maybe it was to make sure that he never did. It's no wonder she needs pills to help her sleep at night. That guilt would keep anyone awake. Now that Robin has revealed everything, she says that Adam has a simple choice to make. It's like they used to play. Rock, paper, scissors. I'm never going to think of that game like the same. Which is kind of annoying because I actually really like that game. And I have. Yeah, it's like a fun game to make decisions. And now I'm just going to think of these creepy people. I used to I used to use it all the time when I worked at restaurants. Like if I needed a certain task done and two people couldn't decide who wanted to do it, I would make them rock, paper, scissors mm-hmm. over who had to, to do it. Loser had to do it. Always best two out of three. I like it. <laughs> Option one, rock. You try and leave with the woman who killed your mother. Option two, paper. You walk out of there alone and come and find Robin and Bob in the cottage. They will be together, move back to London, and publish Rock, Paper, Scissors as a novel using Henry's name. Option three, scissors. You don't want to know option three. Ominous. Robin says that the choice is his, and it really is as easy as Rock, Paper, Scissors. Is it? I, like, you didn't reveal what scissors was, no. and this is this but again. Scary. Like, why? Why do you want this man back? Yeah, it's just it's, like you don't need him to be successful, right? You like, don't. Clearly, you're a talented author. Like, she should right. have just lived her best life in the Highlands and became like a like well-known author or like something published her own books like honestly she probably could have like had she and maybe just felt like it was too late but if she had revealed herself as henry winter's daughter oh yeah and now baby to the max like yeah like you don't need one you don't need to write under your father's name and two you do not need this dusty ass man to like drag you down right and like Like, you're clearly a better writer than them so like you could have like had success and used their names to like build the success such a wasted opportunity but instead you want to go back with him like get a grip girl come on um we go back to amelia's perspective amelia reveals that she had already decided to leave adam if this weekend doesn't go well she's contacted a solicitor and a financial advisor to get what she deserves in a divorce yeah she's also trash yeah, they all only had been married for two years. Right? Well, here, honestly, here's what I feel like what happened with Amelia. I feel like 
she honestly did realize that the dating scene is just awful and mm-hmm. saw Adam, who from the outside looked like this very caring husband, right? Because Amelia or uh, Robin even notes at one point that Adam was always a better husband when they had an audience. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, that's a good guy. I want that. And then yeah. got him and realized that what she saw was a fraction of who this individual actually was oh, and yeah. is now like, mm, this sucks. I don't Maybe want this, this anymore. Isn't good. Maybe yeah. this isn't good. I want to return to sender. Yes. Um, She already has a flat reserve that she can move into right away. She knew only one of them might be returning to the house that was always their home, which makes sense now because I think in the beginning it was kind of like, only one of us will go back home. So I guess yeah. this kind of explains now. We had thought murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. And uh, apparently screwing in every room of the house wasn't enough to expel uh, Robin's ghost from their house. No, because the truly haunted one in all of this is Adam. Um, but... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> she reflects on how her whole life has been miserable. It's her fault that her parents died. She was passed from foster home to foster home. Amelia resents that Adam seems to think of her as a bad penny and Robin as a lucky penny, even though she's tried to be a good wife to him. Amelia starts to question things again. Why would she write rock, paper, scissors on the mirror? Why trick them into coming to Scotland? Why hide her father's identity for 10 years and not tell anyone he died? She wonders if Robin has a history of mental illness. I mean, I have also wondered this, so possibly i, I think that's she none does of your business amelia it's not it's not any of you're right <laughs> but um yeah um when adam tries to once again defend robin saying it must have been upsetting to come home and find her husband in bed with her best friend amelia insists that their marriage was over long before she came along which regardless of even if it was there was still clearly love there so it would definitely still hurt right. you, robin but you also you also don't get to decide if a marriage is over, unless you are in the marriage or right. a therapist who's helping the couple, you don't get to decide that. Mm-hmm. When Amelia says that Robin must be behind all the strange things happening this weekend, she probably deliberately turned off the generator to try and freeze them to death. Adam finally admits that he was the one who switched the generator off. When Amelia asks why, he says he just wanted to return to London as soon as possible. And he thought if the power went completely out, that Amelia would agree to go home. I love how we thought of Adam kind of like as sinister and like kind of like, which he is in certain ways, but calculated, I guess, when really he's just Mm -hmm. a very dumb straight guy who's very (laughs) simple-minded. Like, literally, he couldn't catch on to the Robin thing. He's like, I'll turn generator off because that will make her want to go home. Which, like, to be fair, I would want to go home if there was no power. Unless I was, like, deliberately staying in a place that had no electricity. If I was somewhere and the power went out, I would be like, let's just go home. Right, but I feel like Amelia Loki wanted to go home before even that. Like, because remember, wasn't there the whole thing with, like, the crypt where he turned the power off? And he was like, she needs to learn a lesson. Like, something weird. So I don't know. I feel like you didn't have to do all that. Just be like, hey, can we go home? Yeah. But this winds Amelia up. and But then she reminds herself that Robin is the enemy, not Adam. 
her and Robin both looking past Adam. And I know, like this is right. This is the common denominator. Why are you guys mad at each other? Like, the, granted, there's things that they should be mad at each other for, but well, like there's things that Robin should be mad at Amelia before. I guess now yeah. Amelia can be annoyed with Robin given this whole Scotland prank. Yeah, but you know. Adam um, Adam is the one they should actually be mad at though. That part. Um she th- she decides they need to go back to London and it's more important than ever that Adam and them stay on the same page for now it's us against her. When Adam admits that he's afraid of Robin, Amelia reminds him that Robin couldn't kill a spider. However, Adam says she's been living all alone for the last couple of years. People can change. Which she says that, but wasn't she trying to imply that like Robin killed October and like yes. anyone that got close to Adam? But now oh, she she's spider. clearly grasping at straws and like just trying to like, yeah, mm-hmm. like boost herself up in this. Like it's she's she's dumb. Mm-hmm. Suddenly they hear three booming bangs coming from downstairs. It's so loud they feel like the whole chapel trembles. Amelia leaves the bedroom, running downstairs, and through the library, knocking books over in a hurry. Adrenaline is pumping through her, and despite all the strange happenings going on in the last 24 hours, when she remembers who she's dealing with, she knows there must be a rational explanation for it all. The chapel doors rattle as someone on the other side slowly knocks three times. The sound echoes all around them, and they both take a step back, hesitating before trying the door handle and feel a small sense of relief when it's locked. She asked Adam where the key is. He takes the antique-looking iron key from the pocket and gives it to her, scared to open the door himself. Is this when she was like, um, I don't recognize this man as the one I loved. Yes. <laughs> she, like, yeah. gets the ick because he's, like, yeah. so scared, which I thought yeah, yeah, was kind yeah. of funny. Yeah, which I was like, I feel like I would, too. Right. <laughs> like, little, it's like, little bit. But should we open it? And she's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> The key doesn't fit into the lock. Amelia sees a shadow move underneath the door. She's out there. She says, that crazy bitch has bloody locked us in. The next thing they know, an envelope with Adam's name on it slides beneath the door. This is so dramatic. Very, like, girl, just, like, (laughs) use your word. Like, you couldn't just say, like, speak at this time. She's like, here's a letter. Well, also, okay, so the antique key... And the fact that, like, Robin gave Adam an antique key for one of their anniversaries, right? So where's the actual key to the chapel? Did the key that he have never actually work for the chapel? Oh. Because they just said in here that the key that was in his pocket didn't work. So was, did the, yeah, I was trying to figure out if that's the same key he had when they first arrived or if it's a different key i think it might have been because remember there was the part he had a key and she was like i'd never seen this key before yeah or something like that so maybe i don't know that part is a little weird Hmm. yeah a little fuzzy there adam picks up the envelope and amelia tries to snatch it from his hand girl it's not for you (laughs) He pulls it out of her reach and walks into the kitchen to sit on one of the old church pews to open the letter. There are several pages written by Robin. He may not be able to recognize faces, but he knows her handwriting anywhere. Amelia sits opposite Adam, and so he tries to keep his face as neutral as possible as he reads. 
the words don't make that easy. He reads about all the ways that Amelia has manipulated things, and his fingers start to tremble. Amelia wants to know what it says and reaches for his hand across the table. He pulls back and doesn't answer. He feels sick as he reads, as he continues to read about Amelia, that she was caught in the car that killed his mother. And when he gets to the end, he folds the letter and puts it in his pocket. Adam says that he knew an affair was a mis- he knew the affair was a mistake from the start, but sometimes small mistakes lead to bigger ones. And Robin wasn't just his wife. She was a love of his life and his best friend. Roll my eyes. Adam reveals that it was Amelia who wanted to move in as soon as Robin moved out. She found the engagement ring that Robin had left behind and dropped endless hints about how much she wanted to wear it, even though it never was a perfect fit for her finger. Always too tight. Amelia bullied Adam into signing the divorce papers as soon as they arrived, and she's the one that booked the registry office, the same one where Robin and Adam got married. That's so creepy. That is. Why would you not go to a different one? Right. And I could see Amelia being pushy, but also like Adam, you could say no. Right. Like if you really didn't want to, you know? Right. Exactly. Adam reveals that he never stopped loving Robin and it and had actually spoken to his solicitor about options if he wanted to leave Amelia. But this letter, the idea that she was in the car that killed his mother and then spent all of these years spying on them, trying to get close to him, that can't be real. Amelia asks once again what is in the letter. Then Adam begins to question her. Asking if she had lived in the same council estate as him when they were kids, and if she used to steal cars. Amelia doesn't reply, but her breath is getting louder. He asks if she was arrested for death by dangerous driving when they were both 13. Amelia tries to calm Adam down, but he pushes on. Asking Amelia if she went joyriding one night in the rain and if the car that she had stolen had mounted the pavement and crashed into a woman in a red kimono walking a dog. Amelia starts to have an asthma attack as she gets more and more desperate. She reaches in her pocket to grab her inhaler and finds it empty. She looks to Adam and whispers, help me. You were right about last part. You were like, I know this inhaler thing is going to like oh, come yeah. back. Right. Absolutely. Amelia then says that she's not the only one who lied, but that she's sorry. And she only ever wanted to make him happy as she continues to gasp for air. Adam says that he was never really happy with her. What a low blow. Mm-hmm. He sees Amelia's face clearly for the first time, and when he does, something changes. It darkens into something ugly and unfamiliar. Her eyes are suddenly wide and wild as they dart around the kitchen. She reaches for the knife block and charges at Adam with a shiny blade. But then another face appears behind his wife, and he sees another flash of metal 
This time, it's a pair of extremely sharp-looking scissors. This escalated rather quickly. Yeah. I do wonder why Amelia, like, grabbed the knife and charged for Adam. Yeah, I agree. Like, what? I guess, I guess maybe she thought that he was going to, like, turn her in. But I'm pretty sure there would be a statue of limitation. And I don't. I feel like they would be past that because we're talking about 30 years at this point. Yeah, that part was odd. And wasn't she like just having an asthma attack? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it was. Um, I was confused by that choice on Amelia's part. Um, Desperate well, people know. do desperate things, I guess. That's true. But then Robin was right behind with her scissors. Which leads us to the final letter. Scissors. Um, Robin writes Adam a letter. Six months after she came home, she says they have finally managed to put the past behind them and they're a family again. They're able to remove all traces of Amelia with a few trash bags and a lick of paint. So, oh my gosh. So, yeah, they um confirmed she killed Amelia, which, I mean, Amelia was trying to kill Adam, so it wasn't like she randomly killed Amelia, I guess. Yeah. There was still option three that we don't know for sure. Oh, well, I think this was option three was them killing Amelia. Yeah. Or Which... maybe maybe she was going to kill both of them. Maybe. Which, but also, like, I question Adam's perspective. Maybe Amelia wasn't even, like, did Amelia grab the knife? Like, I don't know. That part's still That's fair. like. Yeah, sure. Know. But Robin is a full-time writer, still publishing under Henry's name. Uh, people are people not going to find out he died at any point. Like, I mean, if, if maybe if someone goes out to Scotland, but like, if he's an author who was notorious for wanting his privacy and like never did interviews, she wouldn't be expected to do that. And as long as you continue to write books, like at some point, she's going to have to give it up because he's just going to yeah. be so old. That people are going to be like, yo, this man is for sure dead. Right. He is not alive. (laughs) Yeah. She's got some good years. She's she's probably fine. Yeah. Rock, Paper, Scissors is going to be published next year. The screen rights have already been sold to a company Adam has always dreamed of working with. She says no one needs to know that Henry was her father or that he was dead or what happened to Adam's second wife. That was the one that I feel like would be questioned more of like where did this woman go that's true like because i almost guarantee you that amelia probably had some kind of like social media presence just given her personality and like the year that this is set in so yeah and you would feel like someone would notice like oh amelia's gone well i guess maybe they could chalk it up to Amelia and Adam broke up and he got back with his first wife. And if no one really looked into Amelia, they would think maybe she moved away somewhere. I guess. Maybe this is just a reminder that you need friends in your life and that being part of a couple is not enough. Because just remember, if your spouse kills you, you want someone else to be like, hey, where'd you go? Where's my friend? It's not that everything is perfect. Marriage is hard work. 
but she cherishes what they have now, despite it being bloody and a little torn around the edges. They still have secrets, but not from each other. I don't like it. No, this is this is delirious. This is bizarre. Yes. This yes. is ooky spooky. Yeah. All right, go to Adam's perspective. And Adam reflects over the last six months and says that it has been good now that Robin is home again. And thanks to her, rock, paper, scissors is finally getting made. He still thinks about the day that his mother died and the way that she died, but the nightmares have stopped. Adam reveals that he was angry with his mother, which is why he refused to walk the dog that night. He instead went out and met a girl. They got drunk and stole a car for Adam to drive. He reveals that he was actually the one driving the car that killed his mother. The girl had pushed him out and driven off. She was later arrested, but Adam wasn't able to identify her given his face blindness. Adam doesn't feel bad about what happened to Amelia. That's like so effed up, man. Like again, Adam is the problem, the yes. villain. He killed his mom. Yes. And like this is why I'm confused when he's reading this letter and like finding out that Amelia was the one in the car like, but you drove. Yeah. It's your fault. But I guess maybe he like blamed her for like them getting drunk. I don't know. But probably. Like, bruh, like this is like you did it. Right. Yes. Yes. And you're having these nightmares, but you were the one driving. Right. Yes. Yeah. He says that sometimes a lie is the kindest truth that you can tell a person including yourself which is what he's doing he's just lying to himself right um we get to the final um section of the book and we get sam's perspective which if y'all remember was the pi that henry had hired yep um sam tells the story of how he became a private investigator he was obsessed with books by stephen king and agatha christie when Henry Winters reached out to him, he was excited because Henry was his favorite author. Um, Sam thinks that he and Henry became friends over the years. Sam even managed to convince the old man to get a laptop so they could email from time to time. He sent a monthly report Henry's way, and they often chatted about books or politics instead of Robin and Adam. Interesting that he's kind of like building this relationship, kind of like how Adam felt he was building with Henry. Yeah, which I... I think speaks to Henry being very manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. They would speak about once a month so that when he didn't hear from Henry for a while, um, Sam started to get a little scared and concerned. When all communication came to an abrupt end, so did his payments. Sam called himself a silent part of the family since Robin married Adam and was genuinely sad when they divorced. Sweet yet creepy. Right? A little like, oh, wholesome, but also like, uh. Mm, boundaries, maybe? Yeah. We need those. When Robin moved back in with Adam, Sam decided to drive to Scotland and tell Henry about it in person. Even though the author had been painstakingly private, Sam was able to figure out the general location of the old chapel. 
However, after driving around in circles, he finally came across a single store in the area and convinces Patty, the shop owner, to draw him a map. Patty also reveals that no one has seen Henry in years, that there was a new housekeeper, but even she stopped showing up a few months ago. Sam says that Henry never mentioned a housekeeper, that the only person that Henry mentioned was his daughter, Robin. Well, they're the same person. So Understandable. Sam reveals that Robin was a difficult child, that due to having two author parents, she struggled to separate fact from fiction. Robin was always making up stories and would get in trouble at school for scaring the other kids with tales about witches. When Henry tried to discipline her, Robin cut off her own hair with a pair of scissors one night, leaving two long braids for him to find in the morning. Do you think that's true? No. This is where, like, this is kind of where I go back and forth of, like, who is telling the truth here? Because clearly Robin has got some issues, mm-hmm. but clearly so does Henry. So I I think I think Henry is recounting the story that he wants Sam to know. This is this is this is the tale that Henry wants Sam to believe. And so I think that Amelia or I'm sorry, I feel I think that robin is telling the truth that henry was not a good man and that he was the one to cut off her braids um i don't know if i believe that henry killed his wife but i do think that he was a neglectful father and his idea of discipline was like pretty effed up what do you yes. think? Hot take. I think he's telling the truth here. I think he was an awful dad, clearly. I think he neglected her emotionally and tried <gasps> to throw money at the problem. But clearly, from reading this book in Robin's um, Scotland thing and prank she did and like what she did to Amelia and the whole rock paper scissors of it all clearly Robin isn't all there she does have quite the imagination given this little Scotland prank thing and like all the details all that Mm -hmm. I think she probably did cut her hair off I think she probably put her dolls in the tub I think I don't know if Henry killed his wife or not I think there's a possibility. I think maybe because she hated her dad and he was so awful, she did maybe convince herself that he was just like the people he would write about and he was evil Mm -hmm. and that he took her mom away and that he did all these awful things. And his punishment seems wild having her like write all the things and like all that. I think he was awful and maybe she tried to vilify him even more and maybe she had her own issues. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, because I just feel like the whole telling the P.I. that she cut her hair off was, like, a detail he didn't have to tell. Like, it seemed kind of like a random detail. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I also, I also know that, like, obviously, like, no, no. I also can tell that I know him Henry, personally, and I must yeah, say. let me tell you. <laughs> I can also see that um, Henry is an old man who liked to tell stories and people didn't, he didn't really have people to listen to him day to day. 
And so I could see him having this friendship with Sam. And, you know, as they got closer, he like spins these wild tales. Like, I don't know if you've ever been friends with someone who's in sales, sales guys. And I would put them in like the same category as authors as well. They will say anything to make the story better. It doesn't have to be truthful. Whatever is going to get you to buy off on something, they will say the words. Mm. So that's why I was kind of like, I feel like Henry may be lying to Sam. But, you know, honestly, it could go either way. They both are messed up and have mental issues. So honestly, it could go either way. It's probably in the middle. Mm -hmm. But Henry had told Sam that nothing he did seemed to help Robin. She would constantly run away from the chapel, and when she was 18, she ran away for good. When Sam finally arrived at the chapel, it's dark. it was dark and his fuel gauge was low, but his hopes were high until he sees the doors of the chapel, which have been chained shut. He walks around the chapel, hoping to find another way in, and stumbles upon the cemetery at the back of the chapel. The granite headstones blended in with the rest of the pitch-black scenery at first, but once he gets closer, he can see that although most of them are very old, the newest one couldn't be more than a year or two old. He heads towards the headstone, but trips over a new mound of dirt. He's pretty hard to scare, but he even had a dose of the heebie-jeebies as he crawled on his hands and knees in a graveyard late at night. That's mounted... creepy. That Same. is. I would not be doing that. Yeah. The mound of dirt suggests that someone had been recently buried here, and the grass hadn't quite had enough time to go over the uneven soil. There's no marker, no name, and it reminds him of a pauper's grave. But he noticed something sticking out of the ground, an old inhaler. Ooh. Sam feels uneasy and thinks he hears someone call his name three times. But when he turns around, no one is there. When he gets the headstone, he reads the inscription, Henry Winters, killer of one, author of many. Interesting. Killer of one. There's a Which tiny if you gra- remember, oh, sorry, if you remember, it used to say father of one. Oh yeah mm-hmm. and so they literally like crossed out father and yeah. wrote killer mm-hmm. which interesting there's a tiny glass box in the grave inside he finds a sapphire ring a paper crane and a small pair of scissors the ring catches his attention because it's still attached to what appears to be a human finger oh my god the ring didn't fit amelia it was always it too small and they couldn't get it off of her finger so they just Mm-mm. the finger it's messed up the wind picked up and sam thought he heard someone whisper his name again three times although he didn't believe in ghosts he ran as fast as he could to his car and didn't look back and that's Same. the end of the book um yeah that oh my god a very bizarre creepy ending yes um this book man a wild ride yeah I don't know if it's because we've read a lot of books or like, and we're picking up on things, but we low key called this twist last episode. We did. Yeah. There was a couple details off, but we got it. Did. Did a good job. We did that. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is terrifying. Very terrifying. Yeah. Um, and just like, yeah, definitely makes us believe in love. Won't you say? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so excited to fall in love yeah absolutely just looking just out here looking for my adam oh my god for Um, sure okay so katie now that we've reached (laughs) the end of this book 
Um, what would you give this book out of on a scale of one to five lattes? And who would you get a coffee with? I'm gonna rate this a four out of five lattes. I liked this book a lot. Um, but yeah, I think it was a little bit predictable. Um, I again, I don't think any of these characters are particularly likable. Um, and for who I would get a a coffee with, I want to pick the dog. Bob seems cool. I think I would want to get a coffee with Bob. Obviously, he would have to get like a puppuccino. He won't try and kill me, so that's a plus. Not Katie picking the dog. I can't. <laughs> well, like, here's the deal. Like, the re- I feel like if I have coffee with any of the rest of them, they might kill me. The, you're not wrong is the thing. So, like, I definitely get that. Um, I have to say, as far as ranking, I'm pretty similar to you. I was going to give it 4.1 mm-hmm. out of 5 lattes. Like it. Um, mainly because like it was interesting and it was gripping and like it's an easy read. It's a good mm-hmm. twist. Yeah. I liked it. I feel like certain parts were a little like, eh. I thought it was a very slow start. It was building mm-hmm. kind of the foundation. Yeah. But overall, I would say a solid book that I enjoyed. So 4.1 out of five. As far as getting a coffee, the dog would be a good choice. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try and pick something different. Ooh, October O'Brien. I feel I know, like it could be fun. I was thinking her, but I was like, can I pick someone dead? I think I can. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah. There's no rules to this. You can pick someone dead. All right. Then I'm going to go with October just because I feel like I, oh my God, of course I'm going to pick October. She has a home in Paris. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go. I want to stay. I want to go to Europe. I want to go to one of her many homes. I want to have coffee. Like I want to talk. I want to go to the red carpet like event. A croissant. A croissant. A croissant. Yes. And a latte. Like, I just want to, I feel like I'd be able to like, like, it'd be a good time with October. True. I do feel like she'd be fun. She would be. I like it. Overall, again, this book was wild, but you know, I really enjoyed it. I did too. I I liked it. It's a good pick. Good pick. And noted, if you guys have an Amazon Kindle and you have the premium subscription, it's free. There you go. There's a little bonus to that. Mm-hmm. Um, As far as our next book. Now, I will say, sadly, we're going to be taking a week off. Oh, we yeah. need some time to gather our bearings. And, like, you know, it's, like, a weird time with, like, yeah. work and stuff like that. So yeah. we need just, like, a little extra time to, like, catch up and, like, get ourselves together. Yep. But the next book we will be reading and covering is Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Um, yeah, so we're just taking the week off, and then our first episode about this book will drop on July 14th. So stay tuned. It won't go too long without us. Um, with that being said, make sure you subscribe to us and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Literary Latte Podcast. And also, if you want to shoot us an email with any thoughts or book recs or anything like that, we're at the Literary Latte Podcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.